Let's get into the nitty-gritty side of business that sometimes we don't think about, which is protecting our legal ass. And I know sometimes it's something you might want to shy away from, but if you want to save a ton of money and heartache, this episode today is for you. And it breaks down all the great things you can do to make sure that your online business, your coaching services, whatever it may be, are protected and you're in a really great place to just focus on your zone of genius. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about, so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you, and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. Sarah Walbisser is an attorney for coaches and online business owners. After several years at a law firm and a few career jumps, she ended up falling in love with online business and loves helping entrepreneurs achieve their dreams in a smart and protected way. She's also a wife and a mama, traveler and food and wine lover. And when she's not at her computer, she loves hanging with her kiddos, having wine with friends, flying around the globe and connecting with other online business owners. Fun fact, we are both former digital nomads. In this episode, we actually cover off on a lot. So get ready. We talk about how to legally protect your business. We talk specifically about what you need on your website in terms of the items that are just a must-have. Also, if you run online courses or products, coaching or services, what you need to have in place to totally protect yourself from refunds and contracts. And we talk about trademarks and how legal can help you scale your business. So sit back, take notes, and make sure that you take this all in, but let's dive in. It is so fantastic to have Sarah Volvusa on the Untapped podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you here. And first off, I would love for you to tell my beautiful listeners how you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. Well, that is quite a long story. I'll try to keep it brief, but the short of it is, you know, I'm an attorney who works with coaches and online business owners, and I really tapped into my potential because after years of being unhappy at a traditional law firm and in other jobs, I really realized that what I wanted to do was travel the world. And I discovered that there were people doing this from their computers working online And I started to meet these people. And the more that I met them, the more they came to me asking for help on the legal side. And that is really how I tapped into this market of helping coaches and online business owners protect their passion. Beautiful. I love it. And what made you go towards coaches and online business owners more than anything and all the clients you probably had over that time? Yeah. Like many entrepreneurs and business owners, this was not my first business. I came about in the online world almost eight years ago when online business was new. It was kind of popping and I was traveling and living in Asia and Europe. And I was meeting a ton of 
e-commerce owners and all of these. So my first actual mm-hmm. online business was a dropship store was where it? I was selling <laughs> eco-friendly furniture. But even through that, I was meeting other online business owners and service providers and coaches. And those were the ones that were really asking me for legal help. But I fought it because I didn't love being an attorney at a law firm. So I didn't think that I wanted legal to be my business. And actually for a little bit, I thought I might want to be a coach. And so I kind of dipped into the coaching world and found that this whole world existed, which I hadn't even heard that there were business coaches and life coaches and relationship coaches and career coaches. But once I kind of was in that world and they heard that I was an attorney They kept coming to me for legal help, not coaching help. So at one point, it was kind of like the business wasn't doing great, and I felt the need to kind of make a decision. I needed to go all in on the business or probably go get a job so that I could pay rent. This was like six, seven years ago. I love those moments, by the way, those defining moments. (laughs) I said, okay, I'm just going to go all in with the legal. We're going to try to sell some packages here. And I remember it so well, I said yes to the universe. And then over the next couple of weeks, I had basically made more on the legal side than the previous four months combined. And the more people I helped, the more referrals I got. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing into what is now destination legal. So I didn't think that I would love it as much as I do, but I really fell in love with online business, but also helping women protect the businesses that they love so that they can get the freedom, the time freedom, the financial freedom that we're all after. Because that was why I started my business. I wanted the freedom to travel. I wanted the freedom to be with kids in the future, which now I have them. But freedom and flexibility is really what was it was all about for me. And so to be able to help other women in this way, trying to make legal easier and a bit more fun and understandable, something that's so important and often overlooked, as we were kind of talking about before, has just been a real pleasure to kind of find this niche. I love that it's called Destination Legal as well, because clearly that's from your sort of what I would almost call digital nomad days, which I am very familiar with too, 10 years of that. But also that once you left the law firm, you dabbled yourself into, you know, an e-commerce business. You met all these business owners. So you knew firsthand what they were struggling with and you had experience in that versus trying to come at it from a, tell me about your business. Because I remember when I first got back to New Zealand and I decided to create a limited company to the accountant that I hired, the accounting firm, they were just like, who are you? Like, what is this online business and all these different multiple revenue streams and everything was remote and everything was online was really new and different for them. And I think I had to teach them a lot about that this exists. So I love that you already had that experience because it just makes it so much easier to relate, right? And people would have come to you and gone, you already know what I'm going through. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I've had clients come to me after the fact to be like, I tried to talk to this lawyer in my hometown and they have no idea what a coach is or what a (laughs) privacy policy is or what it means to sell things on the internet to people all over the world. So Mm -hmm. I think that that is absolutely true. And it's really important. I say this all the time because people are like, how do I go about finding an attorney or this and that? And it's always find one that knows your industry. We sell legal templates that people can download and customize themselves. And we have specific ones for health coaches, which is pretty unique because 
a lot of other online attorneys might just have for coaches in general, but health coaches and business coaches and life coaches, like they're all different. And especially health coaches need different liability protection than say a business coach. So I think that's such a good point. And it's true. The online world is developing. It's still in its baby infancy, but to find professionals that know the unique needs of those businesses is really important. Yeah, very, very true. And that's so cool that you do that. We'll dive into that more. It's so funny hearing you say it's still in its infancy because I guess like having been doing it since 2009, I'm always like, where are these people who are just new to it? And I think COVID really in many ways helped people finally get a grip on, oh, this is what you do. You do meetings by Zoom, you do coaching by Zoom, you do training by Zoom, you do online courses. I get it. Okay, everything's remote. You need an internet connection. You need your laptop maybe a ring light, whatever, a mic. And uh, I just think it finally for all these people who used to go, how do you do that? There were more yeah. people going, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting it now. So in that way, it was really helpful. And I think it's probably proliferated the amount of businesses that were very traditional that have had to go online or bring some of their business online. Thank goodness. And yeah. then look at different revenue streams to be able to survive and not only survive, but thrive. So I'm sure you've, For sure. you've seen that yeah, as well. I- Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because I have a bunch of friends that are in more traditional jobs. So when COVID hit and they were all at home, it was this new thing. And they're like, what's a ring light? And where do I buy this? And what's Zoom? But interestingly, we saw a real influx from certain industries because of COVID, one of them being yoga Hmm. instructors needing to learn how to teach online. So we had this we were on a yoga podcast talking about the legal protections that you need for a yoga business. And we just had an influx of people wanting those terms so that they could teach yoga online and make sure that they were protected and things like that. So definitely some businesses that may not have traditionally been online are online now. Yeah, that's really, really good. So many here, right? It Almost everything that people used to say couldn't be I think has shifted to online to prove it as an example. So let's dive into this because I think probably for many years, I was very loose with my business. I had a privacy policy and then I got terms and conditions, but it mainly came after going to many conferences in the US and hanging out with friends who are like, oh, you don't have that or disclosures on your blog when you're using affiliate links. So for me, it was a little bit slower. And we talked about this a bit before hitting record is that I don't know, maybe it's my New Zealand background. There's less suing over here and there's less legal action on things. But I don't, you actually wouldn't know the story, Sarah, but I got, and I talk about it quite freely now because it was a hilarious time, but I got taken down or attempted to be taken down by Entrepreneur Magazine, who are big bullies in this space, actually. Oh, I know all about this. Yeah, I bet you do. So when I had the suitcase Entrepreneur and I'd had it for years and I had a book and I had the podcast and then at some point they decided... I was too much too close to them as a media online outlet, which wasn't really what I was, and tried to yeah take it down. So that's when it became Natalie Sissons, the suitcase entrepreneur. And it was so ridiculous. And we actually got out of it in a really great way because I had a lawyer who I hired and who was just bullish about not being bullied by these big guns who were supposedly supposed to be helping entrepreneurs. I rant about this all the time. It's amazing. They could have taken a completely different approach and really supported the entrepreneurs to promote them and do so much, but they took the hardline approach to try and cut them down, which was so bizarre. It it infuriates me. So I have a whole blog post on this situation. I call it the entrepreneur saga because I have had many people come to me over the years wanting to trademark words with entrepreneur, preneur, et cetera. 
And I tell them immediately, there's no point, I'm sorry, but you will get taken Mm -hmm. down by Entrepreneur Magazine because they've hired the second biggest law firm in the world and basically spend millions of dollars a year just stopping all of these people from getting trademarks or using the word entrepreneur. And the irony Mm -hmm. of an entrepreneur organization not wanting to help small business owners and other entrepreneurs, I agree, is just ridiculous. And then there's this whole thing in the trademark space that they should never have been able to get the trademark for the word entrepreneur when they did decades and decades ago. So Mm -hmm. it's this whole big thing that I also get very ranty about because (laughs) it is really infuriating to me. (laughs) Hey, I think it was in the 80s, wasn't it? And it's a French word on top of that. Like it's not even, yeah. So I'm not glad that you've had to deal with that, but you're right. It was when I went to trademark and uh, first time ever, I thought maybe I should trademark this shit. I wish I'd met you beforehand because then I wouldn't have. Anyway, it was a really great learning lesson. And I think why I mention it is it opened me up to going, okay, maybe I need to protect my ass a little bit more. I need to think more carefully about what I'm posting out there and making sure that I'm playing by the rules, which often do come out of the US with online businesses. So what are, I guess, just some of the key ways that you would recommend to people listening, sort of regardless of what their business is, but around the areas that you're talking about, so coaches, consultants, service providers, online business owners, to legally protect their business? Are they just like a couple of things that everybody should be doing that maybe Mm -hmm. we don't know about? Yeah. Yeah. So there's basically, I talk about it as like a three-legged footstool. That like you really need all three of these pillars in your business to have a stool that's going to be sturdy. And those are your one-on-one contracts, your terms, and trademarks. So the most important piece of legal, if you are a service provider, coach, or running an online business, is a one-on-one contract. Like that is the most important thing you can have. It's the first thing that you need a lot of people worry about, I need to form my company or be an LLC or corporation, which yes, at some point that's really important to have because it provides legal protection and other things. But really the contract is what is going to protect you the most. It's going to keep you out of court. It's going to protect your sales. It protects your intellectual property. It provides boundaries. It really is just the number one thing. If you're just starting out, The only thing you need is a way to get paid and a contract and you have a business, right? And then as you grow, other things are needed. If you have a website, you do need a privacy policy. It is legally required in most countries in the world. And if you don't have one, you can be fined or you can be banned from Facebook. They won't run ads if you don't have a privacy policy on your landing page. You can't be Google terms make sure you have a privacy policy so they can ban you from using the Google suite. So there are some repercussions if you don't have a privacy policy in the footer of your website and then every landing page where you're collecting emails, it's all about privacy and disclosing to your people what you're doing with the information that you're collecting from them. And then you have website terms of service as well, which kind of, as you talked about, disclaimers, disclosures, Because anytime you're putting out information on the internet, you are opening yourself up to liability. Even if you are a business coach or a health coach or consultant, you could put something out into the world that someone misconstrues and they get financially, physically, mentally injured and they could sue you. And you're right. It does happen more in the U.S. than in other countries. 
But legally protecting your website and your business is just part of what you need to do. So you have your website protected, your one-on-one contract. And then as you grow, if you have an online course or a membership site, you want to have terms of purchase that people are agreeing to when they sign up. Again, disclaimers protecting you, your payment and refund policies. If you don't have any of these things in place, then you have nothing and you have to give someone a refund when they ask you. If you're hosting a retreat or a live event, even more liability. And we saw this with COVID. Everyone had to cancel their live events. If you didn't have a contract in place that provided for something like this, which is called like a force majeure clause, then you probably lost a lot of money. And so those people that had the contracts in place fared better than those that didn't. So that was really important. And then as we talked a little bit about trademarking, that's how you really protect your brand. So as you're growing and you want to own your business name, so the name of your business or a course or a retreat, mastermind, product that you've developed, trademarking is really the only way to do that. And that's how you can actually own this business asset and you can stop others from using it within your industry, which is a really powerful thing to have. Yeah, so much I want to dig into there. And actually, I think I'll work backwards because there's a few gaps that I'm like, oh, crap, I need to get onto that. (laughs) So yeah, trademarking, as I understand it, you actually need to trademark in every single country that is applicable to you. Is that correct? So if you're in the US, you do it there. But then if you are reaching other countries, you need to trademark there. Yeah, exactly. So you want to trademark in the markets where you have a big customer base, such that you're worried somebody else could infringe upon that name or start using that name. So for a lot of people that is maybe starting in the U.S. and then you don't have to go to each country in addition to that, you can actually go through something called the Madrid Protocol that allows you to add a bunch of countries at once. So let's say you trademark in the U.S., but you also want to trademark in New Zealand, Australia, and the U.K., you can add and do all three of those at once instead of having to go to each individual country. And so if you have a market in the U.S., I often suggest starting there because it's hardest here. And once you get it, then you can easily get these other ones as well. And in terms of cost, just for people listening, I know it probably ranges, but rough ballpark costs for trademarking something. Yeah. So a couple thousand dollars for sure. And it varies. You want to use a trademark attorney. If you're not in the U.S., you have to use a U.S. attorney. You cannot file it yourself. If you are a U.S. citizen, you can try to do it yourself, but more than half of the people that try fail. There's so many nuances, as you may have seen, to getting this done. So While the application itself is a couple hundred bucks, depending on the attorney and the package of what's included, a trademark can take up to a year or more to get. There can be lots of bumps along the way. And if you don't have an attorney to help you out, your chance of success is much lower. And I have people every couple of weeks coming to me, Sarah, I messed this up. I don't know what they're saying to me. Like, can you come in and fix that? And so- Just let a professional handle it from the beginning and it is an investment. So I would say, Mm -hmm. again, depending on the attorney, anywhere from 15 to 3,000 US dollars. Yeah, that's really useful to know. And I also just think to people listening who are like, oh, maybe you've been thinking about it. When is the best time to do it? Like, what would you trademark and what would you not bother about? 
Yeah. So that's a great question too. So it's never too early to trademark. In fact, you can trademark something before you're even selling it. So to take a step back, to trademark something, you have to be selling it in the market. You can't just trademark the name of a Facebook group. It has to be something you're selling, a course, a program, services, a product. But if you have the name of something and you want to trademark it before you even hit the market because it's that good and you're worried someone is going to take it, you can do that too. Amazon has like over 900 trademarks, but only 50 of them are actually in use because they want all these names just in case for future products. Mm -hmm. But what I like to use is what I call the gut punch test. So if you're thinking of your brand name or that new course name or the name of your program, think about it. You have it in your mind. If you got a cease and desist letter tomorrow saying that you had to stop using that name and completely rebrand your entire thing, how would you feel? Like if you got like a little punch in the gut, like, oh, no, I do not want to have to do that. Then it's time to trademark. If you're like, oh, I don't mind a rebrand or it's not a big deal, then maybe not. But if it's a name that you're going to be using for years in your business, you want to make sure nobody else can use it, then it's time to trademark. And it does cost money to protect that trademark, right? Like, so just by having it, you don't instantly, you know, have protection because I think it also, you have to use lawyers if you're going to go and try and get something to cease and desist, just so people know that it's not yeah, a, and yeah. you have to renew the trademark every five years and 10 years and then 10 years after that. And actually it's your duty as well to police the trademark. So what Entrepreneur Magazine is doing, they say is policing their trademark. They're going way beyond what that means. But by policing, we mean if you see someone in your industry using a similar name, it's your duty to kind of let them know that you own the trademark and they need to stop. So there are some things involved in that process. Yeah. And often a friendly-ish email, just letting them know that is a great start. And a lot of people don't even know. They'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm taking it down or doing whatever. But I think if you've got, you know, especially as course creators listening to this and as a course creator, I think it's that's really important. If you're onto something and something's going really well and you think it's very unique, it is a really great time to do it. And also add some more kudos to what you're producing. Like when somebody sees a TM or a registered. Absolutely. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's addicting too. So I have three now and I have clients that are on five, six and seven trademarks. So it definitely is something that once you kind of feel the power of what that means for your business, it can be really enticing. Yeah, you might even reach Amazon's one. I can't believe they have 900 just (laughs) thinking about the cost behind that. But hey, the next one that you talked about, which is really interesting, because I will totally put my hand up and say that I haven't been as savvy on that as the, well, yeah, terms of purchase legals on your site or on a course, where do people typically put that? Like, where should you be expecting that? Is it at the bottom of your sales page? Is it when they're like in the FAQ as well? And or is it on the invoice or the checkout page just so that people have an idea? Or is it actually in the course itself? Yeah, so that's a great question. So you want the terms of purchase at the point of checkout. So as they're purchasing, usually you can have a checkbox or even just the language By purchasing, by clicking here, you're agreeing to our terms of purchase, and then it links to another page that basically outlines all of your terms. So what's included in the course or program, 
What do they have access to? For how long do they have access? What's your payment and refund policy? Intellectual property protection. You can't take this course and sell it yourself. And disclaimers, again, this course is education only, not professional advice. And we aren't making any promises about what we're selling you here. So there's lots of important stuff in there. So make sure it's at the point of checkout. And then you can include it in other places as well, just as a point of reference. When someone signs up, if you want to have it in the membership or course portal, it's always great for them to be able to refer back to it. But really, the point of purchase is where it needs to be. That's very good. I'm sure you have templates for all of this, which is great. We do. We're going to be coming over to grab some off you. (laughs) That's another thing I just want to point out. Why is it important to get a template and not riff off somebody else's or grab some stock standard stuff? Do you want to talk to that a little? Because I'm sure that happens. I mean, again, I'm sure I've done it. (laughs) It does happen. I know a lot of people kind of can grab. They see, oh, well, my coach is using this. I'll just take that. Or their website looks similar to mine. I'll just take their privacy policy. And there's a couple reasons why that's not a good idea. The first is that it's copyright infringement to take somebody else's stuff, whether it's a contract or terms like that is still somebody's work product and could be copyright that you're infringing on. So not a good idea. But also, you don't know who wrote that. You don't know if theirs was written by an attorney or if it includes what it needs to include. Or sometimes having these piece together contracts, they can be conflicting terms and you just don't know what you don't know, right? You didn't go to law school, so you don't know what should or shouldn't be there. And if you do that, then you just have this little corner of your mind that's like, am I really protected? Like, Am I 100%? Do I want to send this contract to my client? I don't know. And so it's really better to just get a template written by an attorney that knows your industry. And then you just have that feeling of relief. You sleep better at night knowing that you are fully protected and not questioning like, well, did Susie have a good contract or not? Yeah, I love it. I can see why you niche to online business owners and coaches because yeah. everybody's listening right now is, oh, crap, I need to go do that. And it is important. Maybe, I don't know if you want to give an example of a client who I, I don't want to say got screwed over, but just didn't have any of this and the kind of nightmares that can come from it. Because I know as somebody myself who's often thinking about retreats that I've run, I have often have legals that come with it, but I've also run somewhere it's just like, here, you pay up and this is happening and here's the FAQ and here's what we're going to do, but no implicit if it's not taking place or in the event of. And just thinking about how that could have come back to bite me at any point. And now I've got like insurance on coaching and all sorts of stuff. So pretty set. But it is just, I'd love for you if you have one story, just that people are listening are like, okay, I am going to take action on this and not just sit on my thumbs and twiddle them. Yeah. Oh my it gosh. Sounds really one hard, story. by the way. How do There's you sit so on many... thumbs and twiddle them? I don't know why I just said that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Sit here and twiddle my thumbs, I think is what I meant. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest issues I see is around payments and refunds. So let's say you're a coach and you're running a three-month program with monthly payments or pay in full. Let's say you got a great pay in full package and then a month into the group program, your client comes and asks for a refund and she wants it all back, even what you have already coached. And if you don't have a contract, then you have to give that money back. And so there was a client a couple of years ago who had a long-term client, things were going really well. And then this client just kind of started to 
to fall off the face of the earth. She kind of missed a payment and then missed another payment. And all of a sudden she was like $6,000 owed to this coach. And so she came to me like, what can I do? We didn't have a contract. It was just, we agreed to it on email or in the DMs and an oral or otherwise that kind of piece together agreement is really hard to enforce. And so at that point, she wanted to basically collect the 6000 plus all the other payments that were owed to her, and she couldn't. The best she could do was to try to get a settlement out of this client to see if I could just recoup some of that money. And so that's like just one of the big issues. If you don't have a contract, there's nothing to refer back to, and you're kind of at a loss and might have to give that money back. And then another situation just last week, I get these DMs all the time of these random kind of issues. Like I'm hosting a retreat and it's in two weeks and they want a refund. They're not coming. Well, you know, if you're planning retreats, like you're kind of planning around people have made payments, you've reserved things. And if there's no contract and they went out two weeks before and you're not able to fill that spot you're basically losing a big chunk of money. And so mm-hmm. there's nothing to do to help her except say, you need to buy a contract for the future. Because again, if you don't have that there, then you have no protection. Yeah. I fortunately never had any of those problems. Yeah. But even just last week in selling my apartment, there was something that got overlooked on the sale and purchase agreement by the real estate agent, by the lawyer, by the buyer, by me. And uh, it cost me several thousand dollars and I just wanted to wrap it up and not go to court and all those things that might've happened probably wouldn't have, but it was a really good lesson. And yeah, how did all of this get overlooked by three or four parties that just should be every single time on there. So it was a good lesson to learn. Right. And I was sort of happy to pay the money for it because I was like, yeah, I'll hold up my hand for my responsibility on my end. And it shouldn't happen. So it's much nicer to be in a position where you know you've got yourself protected. And then you get to make a decision about refunds, right? If you want to give one. Yeah, exactly. And with legal, it's not a matter of if, it's when. If you're in business long enough, you're going to have most of your 99% of your clients, I'm sure, are going to be great. But you're going to run into that 1% that isn't. And your contract is just your starting point. So you can say no refunds. But yes, if someone comes to you, with this story of why and what's going on and you want to work out and give them a partial refund, a full refund, a payment plan, like you can work out that on the back end, but at least protect yourself on the front end. Yeah, definitely. I love all that advice. I hope people are like, oh my God. And hopefully people aren't going, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. We talked about at the beginning that the privacy policy is one of the most important and then the terms of website and then some of those terms of purchase. And you can start with something quite simple or you can talk to Sarah. We'll link to that in the show notes. Or if you have a lawyer attorney already, just getting them to help you with those basic elements that are incredibly Mm -hmm. important. And once they're set up, they're set up, right? You can apply them to everything. So it's kind of hopefully a one-off sort of cost or investment. And then you feel a lot more safe and secure. It is. You think of it as it's the legal foundation. It's one of the foundations of your business. It's similar You invest in building a website and in some branding. Your contracts and legal should be part of that process as well. And you're right. Once you have everything on your website, you're done. And once you have your contract, you can update it depending on what your packages are and all of that. It's just getting it in place the first time as soon as you can is really important. 
Yeah, definitely. This has been so awesome. I know there's a heap more we could discuss, but I kind of feel like people are probably going to be like, alrighty, got some work to do. <laughs> and it's been really helpful for me to refresh myself on what little gaps we have. So thank you for that. This will be the rush before maternity leave just to make sure we're all covered. But even just the simple thing of checking privacy policy, I know we have it on our website, but across the pages, especially on those ones where you're asking for an opt-in, it's really, Mm -hmm. really simple to do, right? And um, just where possible, I always think full disclosure, full transparency is really wise and just covering yourself there. So thank you for this. What is the best place for people to reach out? Thank you and learn more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at destinationlegal.com and then on Instagram at Destination Legal. I hang out there probably the most doing some live trainings and some stories and just quick legal tips. So that is the place to go. Thank you. It's actually really fun just being out to interview, but also just the art of law. You know, it's so specific and you can get really, really granular about things. It just makes it really pleasant versus some other aspects of business where you're often giving advice. It just making me sit here and there's so many tangible outcomes that are actually, you can implement them and they work. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we talked a lot about trademarking, which is, that's one of the processes that is kind of difficult to understand. So we have a trademark roadmap, which I'd be happy to share with the audience. We can give a special link there to put in the show notes and then people will be able to download that and just kind of see step-by-step actually how that process works. That'd be really great. Thank you. I will take you up on that, Sarah, and we'll make sure we pop it in the show notes. So thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Untapped podcast. There are a bunch of takeaways that I have from listening to it that are being put in place with my team as well. On the whole, we've been pretty good on that front, but just even listening to what Sarah had to say, I was like, oh my, there are a few gaps. So please do go and take the time to do an audit of your business, of your services, of your website, and make sure that you start putting these in place. And of course, head across to destinationlegal.com for more goodness from Sarah and some of those great templates, which I'm going to check out, and destinationlegal.com forward slash untapped for that free trademark roadmap, if that is something that you've been thinking about for a while. In the meantime, please don't forget to tap into your potential, get paid to be you, and have an amazing week ahead protecting your beautiful ass.